Hi everyone. On today's episode, I have special guest Pete Warmby. Pete is an artistic writer, speaker, parent, teacher, tutor, and advocate who has immersed himself in working to improve autistic awareness, acceptance, and making the world a more suitable place for the neurodivergent community. Pete is most active on Twitter, where he has over 45,000 followers, um, which is how I reached out to him. And I'll pop his um, handle to his Twitter in the show notes. Um, His first book on autistic special interests is out next spring. So we'll definitely be having a chat about that. So um, Pete, do you want to say hi? Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me uh, on the podcast. It's it's great to be here. No worries. Thanks so much for being up for it. So usually I kind of start off with just asking you about your life at the moment. Obviously, I've done a little intro to you and it sounds like you're a very busy person. You do lots of different things. So do you want to give like a bit more of an introduction to yourself before we kind of go into your diagnosis? Yeah, of course. Yes. Uh, so obviously, yeah, as you said, I'm, I'm Pete Warmby and I'm tremendously active on Twitter in terms of trying to get people to, or well, neurotypical people to um, to understand about um about autism. Um, at the moment, um, I suppose really what I'm doing is is kind of focusing on the writing side of things. You know, I've just managed to hand my, uh, my the, you know, the manuscript for my first book into my editor at uh, Jessica Kingsley Publishers. Um, they're, they're the ones that do a lot of, you know, they're, they're kind of like an autism specialist publisher. Uh, so I know I'm in, <laughs> I know I'm in safe hands with those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, I'm just kind of focusing on the next the next project then, which is um, something you know that's kind of bubbling away in the background, uh, writing wise, of course. Um, and at the same time, just trying to you know continue to survive this um, this strange and unusual time that we find ourselves living in. Really, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, that is very much the daily struggle. You know, of um, you know COVID and and you know the, the the various crises that always seem to be kind of kicking off in the background. So uh, mm-hmm. so yeah yeah that that's that's where I am at the moment really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously since quitting my job in April, you know, I've, I've been, you know, committing myself completely to the writing and the, uh, and then the advocacy and the speaking roles and all those kind of things. And so far, so good, you know, I'm still able to pay the rent. So that helps. That's good. <laughs> good. <laughs> oh, cool. That's, that's really, it's really interesting to hear that, like, you quit your job to kind of focus on this um, more, because I think, were you a teacher before? Was that your, I, like, or was that a previous job? No, I was. Yes, um, I, I, I taught for about thirteen years, um, so you know, a long, long time for, for secondary, you know, secondary English teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you know, with with the pandemic and with my kind of increasing burnout, which was the big problem, really, I suppose, um, it just it just became impossible to keep it to carry on. Um, you know, it was uh, so it, it was it was a scary, a bit of a risky thing, but it but yeah, it seems to be going okay. So that's something. That's good. That's good to hear. I mean, it sounds like if you, you know, to manage 13 years being a secondary school teacher, that's, that's huge. I can remember how overwhelming secondary school was. So (laughs) I can only imagine how like just trying to keep afloat in that situation must be quite difficult. Yeah, to be honest, it's not much easier as a teacher. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, I remember how difficult it was as an autistic. I mean, I didn't know I was autistic at that time, of course, but I remember how difficult it was as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, being being an autistic teacher is is a whole other kind of set of challenges. And to be honest, it's not something that I feel like I'd really want to go back to. You know, unless I really had to. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So let let's talk about your diagnosis because that's quite interesting. You know, you're saying you didn't know and stuff like that. So what yes. kind of what was the process behind it when did you first potentially think you might be autistic or did someone say you might be i'm always keen to understand how people got their diagnoses yeah well it, it was kind of mostly self-discovered i suppose um although you know i had a few people in my life kind of say to me you know this is something you might want to look into mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and certainly when i got the diagnosis i had an awful lot of people you know who i've known through the years once they found out replying with a kind of well well yeah obviously okay. um so, <laughs> so that, i mean it would have been nice if they'd have said something before but hey ho um but yeah the, i mean the, the the process was actually remarkably painless considering how bad it can be especially in this country with the nhs mm-hmm. um i think i, I got 
extraordinarily lucky because um, I, I was trying to explain, you know, trying to figure out for myself why I was finding life so difficult and why my, you know, I, I got really bad depression and, um, and, you know, kind of the transition to fatherhood has hit me like a ton of bricks in a way that I really didn't expect, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of um, extra responsibility and the, and the reduction of, you know, kind of personal alone time really caused me some problems so I was kind of casting around trying to figure it out and um and I came across you know I I I realized that autism was something that fit you know I did all the usual online tests that people do you know that kind of basically made sirens come up and flash you know like oh my god (laughs) I got you know ridiculously high scores on those things um but you know I, I was lucky I went to the doctors and they were just like oh okay fair enough um and got me you know uh to the local mm-hmm. um, local diagnostic team, and you know there was none of that kind of pushback that so many people report. I mean, I guess to an extent, I, you know, I, I'm male, I'm I'm cis, you know, I, I'm white, so all of those things were very much in my favour yeah. in terms of the doctor kind of accepting and you know listening to me and agreeing that you know I had a point, um, you know, because because I know that a lot of people, you know, that is the stage where things go wrong, you know, very early on because the doctor just doesn't believe it or they're not interested or their their understanding of autism is a little bit outdated and stereotypical and it just you know it's like the first barrier that comes up but I was lucky um and I think you know from start to finish it was probably about six months wow okay which which is which is fast you know I think it was um the May of 2017 I went to the GP and then I had my diagnosis by November so yeah like I say lucky yeah that's 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 really nice to hear of a short like waiting time though because <laughs> it's really a mixed bag of how long you can wait so that's that's yes, actually really yes. good to hear <laughs> and <laughs> good to hear that you were like taken seriously as well because yeah that's something that I came across and had to find a different doctor because they were like mm, really so it yeah it's very interesting who they you know I guess it depends what doctor you get as to you know how understanding they are sort of thing but um it's, it's nice to hear a, a quick story <laughs> rather than yes, a, yes. <laughs> a dragged out waiting for diagnosis um so how was it like a kind of like assessment day that you went to sort of thing like a it was um it was three separate appointments it was down in um you know like a nearby town okay. uh in Wil- in wiltshire so you know a bit of a drive it's quite a nice place and i had to go there three times for like three separate i think they were about an hour long okay. um just kind of like really detailed interviews with i think they were an actual psychiatrist mm-hmm. um where yeah i basically you know they, they asked questions obviously but you know it resulted in me essentially just talking about you know my entire life i remember at one point they even asked me who my best friends were at school like you know primary school (laughs) it was like (laughs) okay um but i think you know what they wanted me to do was kind of um you know talk about what my social interactions at that age were like Mm -hmm. um and yeah it was very very detailed you know it felt very much like i was you know kind of verbally giving my autobiography to this person um you know a lot of which ended up in the you know the written report afterwards you know it it, it did read like a kind of slightly painful um biography of my entire my entire existence but Mm -hmm. um but you know it was thorough and i needed that because i i had serious imposter syndrome you know i i couldn't help feeling like i was I don't know, like looking for excuses. Mm-hmm. I think that's quite common for people who who try and get these diagnoses, and for ADHD as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you kind of feel like you're just looking for an excuse to, you know, allow you to be as kind of hopeless as you are at life. You know, and uh, which is completely unfair. But I suppose that's just the way that the world kind of, you know, sets us up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very glad that it was very thorough, very, you know, kind of um, full on because it made me feel like, you know, there was less that my brain could do to dismiss it, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You know, I was more able to like believe it and go along with it and mm-hmm. accept it as being, you know, real rather than just me looking for make-believe reasons. Yeah. It's difficult if you've gone, you know, so far in your life and were you in your 30s? Is that right? When you got your... Yeah, I was uh, I was 34. So okay. yeah, pretty old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just to go that far through life and not quite know not what's up but I, I get what you mean like you know there's there's something and that you're just that little bit different but you can't put your finger on it and just to know and 
just understand yourself a little bit better. I think everyone deserves to to know that about themselves, I think. Yes, yeah, I think so too. And, you know, it, it, it's horrible. You know, whenever you actually allow yourself to think about the number of people out there mm. who haven't got their diagnosis, but who, you know, need it, deserve it, you know, just just have to have it for their own peace of mind. It's it's a horrible thought, really, which is one of the reasons why I think so many of us, you know, on Twitter and on YouTube and, and you know, whatever medium we've got available to us, you know, we try to you know, make it so that people are able to, you know, get that support and mm. get that realisation about themselves. Exactly. And once you get that diagnosis as well, I feel like, I don't know, you feel like you can almost join that online community. Like obviously self-diagnosis is like hugely valid, but I just feel like that knowing you're like, oh great, I can actually like join this community and be a part of it and not feel like, you know, the odd one out all the time. So that plays a big part. Yes, it does. So you were working as a teacher at the time you got your diagnosis. Did did you sort of tell anyone or like, I'm always interested to know, like, because it's quite a private thing, I think at first to try and get like come to terms with but I just wondered like how your kind of work was affected potentially by your diagnosis well I mean to be honest you, you can kind of see what the uh what the long-term effect was by the fact that yeah. I quit this year <laughs> <laughs> to be honest I mean it, it all date you know it all kind of stemmed at least partially back from that I mean I was I, I was actually the head of the department at the time um, you know, head of the English department. I mean, I don't know whether you remember those people from when you were yes. at school, but you know, they, they were typically the really tired teachers. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Very much so. The ones, yeah, you know, the ones that were completely ruined by you know how much uh, you know work they were having to put in. It's a very, very difficult job. You know, mm-hmm. as you know, in, in education, I don't think there are many jobs that are more tough than being head of a you know core department like math, science, English. You know, mm-hmm. that it's just so intense. So that was what I was doing at the time. And I, I was proud of myself. You know, I always wanted to, you know, climb that ladder, um, you know, and uh, so, so I was kind of happy that I got there. But, you know, then the depression hit. And then, you know, with finding out the, my diagnosis, um, I was I was probably inadvisably very open about the whole thing. You know, mm-hmm. I, the, the, my, my, my school knew that I was getting my diagnosis even before I got it. You know, I'd been very open about that. Okay. Um I guess I felt like I had to because I've taken time off with depression, you know, so I needed to, I, I felt like I needed to kind of show that I was doing something, you know, to try to yeah. get better, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I found that after I'd, after I disclosed, you know, the, the diagnosis had happened and I, I registered, you know, at work as being disabled, uh, you know, and started kind of asking for reasonable adjustment, um, that I mean, on one hand, they were very, very good. You know, there, there was no kind of, um, you know, nastiness or refusal to, you know, kind of give anything. But but there was a distinct and noticeable kind of shift in in how they, or at least how I felt they viewed me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it kind of felt like um, that they, they, they decided that, you know, because of all of this, that, you know, maybe I wasn't as capable as they thought I had been or, um, you know, as kind of able to handle things, which... I mean, I don't know, fair enough, you know, to an extent, you know, I did struggle, but you notice it and it, and it bothers you, you know, it kind of, it, it, it just, it, it's, it's not very nice to feel like you've got, you know, like a, a lowered expectation of yourself on the people around you. Yeah. Um, you know, it can feel a little bit sad, I suppose, you know, mm-hmm. like, like something's, something's changed in a very bad way. So, you know, without going into too much detail, that, that just kind of, you know, continued and, until it, certainly had a part to play in my deciding to just you know call it a day mm-hmm. it just it really frustrates me how like you can be in a certain position at work like head of a department and that people's opinion will change just because of a diagnosis whereas actually you've held that position for however long and okay managed but potentially struggled through it but it doesn't mean that you're not capable you know you've been autistic yeah. your life and not known that so that yes, you know, hasn't yeah. changed <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like you know you you were managing the job actually quite well mm. when you weren't getting any support and needed yeah. it, and mm. yet now that you're getting the support, everyone feels like you can't manage the job, mm. <laughs> which yeah. just logically makes no sense. It's like actually yeah. now I'm getting the support. You know, if you just give me a bit more time to kind of you know figure myself out, then then you know all all things being well, I should be absolutely fine. You know, hopefully I'll thrive. But it just didn't feel that way. You know, and and I think I think that that is echoed across the country. I think that if you speak to any any you know autistic person in work of any kind, then you're going to find similar stories. 
you know, um, around disclosing. I think, but quite frequently, unfortunately, just because yeah. you know, public understanding is is still pretty bad. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, so, how how did you kind of from kind of stepping away from the old, like role in teaching how did you kind of transition to becoming a sort of speaker and doing like talks and conferences did you sort of was that built from your kind of online presence like how did you kind of transfer to that well i mean as i've said quite a lot in my in the book that i've just finished i am very much a i'm not the most proactive person in the world you know i'm i'm very much like a you know a leaf carried by a river i'll just kind of go where it takes me mm-hmm. um so you know none of it was kind of you know planned in advance i actually i'm i'm pretty much totally incapable of doing kind of long-term planning um you know when people talk about oh what's your five-year plan i'm like i don't know i don't even know my next, you know i can't even say i've got a five-minute plan let alone yeah. a five-year plan you know just, <laughs> it's, it's kind of alien concept to me mm-hmm. so i i've just kind of gone with it you know and and yeah it was it was definitely and you know without any shadow of a doubt it was the twitter thing that, that kind of took me to this kind of new kind of um way of you know surviving and making a living um i I suppose it started really when and this was quite early on i'd only been doing my twitter kind of threads and things like that but you know i I do all the time these days uh for a few months this was back in 2019 like late 2019 um and i'd only got like five thousand six thousand followers at this point i mean i've had like three thousand kind of education based twitter followers for years and years and years and years okay. you know when i used to tweet about education schools teaching that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, but it started to go up and and the nas you know the national Statistics society got in touch and asked me if i wanted to um to speak at their big conference in birmingham like the following february so this was just before the the pandemic kicked off okay. so february 2020 and you know i was like wow is that a thing that i can do mm-hmm. <laughs> like, really you know i mean it, it just it kind of you know came out of the blue and i was really sort of shocked that anyone would want to have me talking about stuff like this you know i was it was you know really really unusual and strange for me because you know as i say i've got the imposter syndrome and i've only ever really just kind of gone along with things so you know it was it was a real shock but of course i agreed you know i mean at the very least it was going to get me in a hotel room for a night which i love <laughs> you know just <laughs> just like you know a night away from home in a, in a hotel room is just my, my my favorite thing in the world so i was like yeah go for it you know i, I don't care I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you um and and it was it was it was really good you know i i really enjoyed it and the speech seemed to go down very very well you know i spoke for about an hour on um you know like the experience of being autistic when you're a school child you know when mm-hmm. you're kind of just living that life um and and yeah but you know people seem to really enjoy it and it went put on youtube and people seem to like it there and and you know and that's kind of spawned other opportunities you know people see that and they say oh can you come and speak to our people and you know businesses and councils and all those kind of and it's just kind of grown and grown um you know and and like i say without any real um planning or or preparation on my part you know i've just kind of gone along with it um you know kind of gratefully you know just kind of happy that people want to hear me you know blather on about things all the time it's it's, it's, it's quite nice really mm-hmm. um so so yeah yeah that, and you know it was the same with the books really you know i i, I again nothing proactive <laughs> yeah because because i just can't do it but you know what, what happened was um jkp jessica kingsley got in touch with me you know about okay. And around about the same time, they mm-hmm. said, you know, oh, really like your threads. You know, you you, you you seem good at communicating this kind of thing. Do you want to think about writing a book? And I was, and, and it, you know, it had been kind of a background dream for me for all my life, mm-hmm. you know, to become a writer. I, I'd, I'd, I'd given up on it. You know, I mean, as far as I was concerned, it was never going to happen. It was one of those kind of pipe dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, you know, so when they came to me, I was like, oh, okay, you know, that, that, that sounds good. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go along with that. So, again you know just kind of following the tide you know following the stream as it goes and um you know and and, and now i'm in a position where i've finished the book and it's getting edited and getting checked and you know they'll do the cover and the marketing and all that kind of stuff you know in, in the months to come um and i'm just enormously grateful that people took that time to you know kind of reach out and say oh would you like to do this because sadly knowing me as i do it would never have happened otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> if, yeah. If, 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 if I had to, you know, kind of approach them and try, I, I wouldn't even. It wouldn't even occur to me to do it. 
if that mm-hmm. makes sense. You know, it's yeah. just it's just not how my brain works. So, so yeah, yeah. Like I say, enormous kind of endless gratitude to these people who have taken you know taken time out of their day to just kind of say, oh, do you fancy doing this with us? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's it's really good of them, really. You know, it's, it's it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, exactly. And that's really exciting that they approached you about the book and stuff. Like, like you say, like it's not almost something. You know, I, I feel like as an introvert, I would never like approach a publishing place. It would always have to be the other way around. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, it's like the, the the fear of being rejected is just too high. Oh yeah. You know, if, if you approach them and they don't know who you are, then you yeah. know you kind of give them the proposal, or if it's fiction, you give them the whole book, and then you know you just get turned down, and it's just like, oh no. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah yeah I, I I think that that's that's definitely that's definitely it. Um, you know, it's an introversion thing. It's a it's a you know fear. Well, I mean, we all know, well, a lot of us will know what rejection dysphoria feels like, you know, that kind yeah. of tremendous sensitivity that so many autistic people have mm-hmm. to, you know, any kind of rejection, even if it's implied, you know, actually getting one in paper, like, you know, oh, thank you for your manuscript, but I'm afraid we're, we're not interested. Yeah. <laughs> you know, absolutely devastating. So, okay. so yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's a good way, I think, to, um, to work with autistic people, you know, so long as, of course, that there's that understanding, you know, I mean, uh, my, my big bone of contention like recently has been um, people getting or people not getting compensated, mm. you know, for, for that kind of thing. You know, you, I, I heard from somebody quite recently um, who'd been asked to do a talk and, um, and you know, there's no mention of pay at all. And it's just like, come on, you know, you yeah. can't do that. It just feels like taking advantage of, you know, a, a fairly vulnerable group of people, which which we are. You know, I don't think there's any two ways about that, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to, you know, kind of feeling um, wanted and included and things like that. I think, you know, there's a real tendency. I know, I know there is for me to just kind of jump at things because like, oh, my God, they want me for something. You know, it's yeah. so nice. <laughs> you know, it's, and, and, you know, I, I think we, we all have to be careful, you know, that we're not kind of taking advantage of. Mm-hmm. So you know, I suppose that'd be one thing. You know, people. You know, if you get if you if you get approached, make sure you're getting paid. You know, even if it's just a, you know just something because you know it's it's important that that you know we get um, we get treated like adults. You know, and like yeah. people who pay who pay rent and who need to buy food and you know all the rest of it. Because uh, yeah, that's that's a bit just a you know kind of bone of contention for me at the moment. You know, yeah. that I've heard from some people. Exactly, because it takes your time and your effort and your expertise, even if it's your life experience of, you know, living as an autistic person, like you should be getting paid. And I've had that as well, like as a freelance, like designer, it's it's the free and freelance that people seem to kind <laughs> yeah. of grasp onto. And you're like, no, no, <laughs> gotta, you've got to pay <laughs> for my services. <laughs> yeah, it's got like a whole different meaning. It's like, you know, when I was growing up and I'd look at like a pub and say to my dad, Dad, you know, why does it say free house on there? Does that mean that the beer is free in yeah. there? It's like, no, 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 different meaning of free. You know, it just means <laughs> that you're free to do work, you know, do whatever you want for anyone else. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. You know, there is this kind of obsession, especially with lived experience that, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't somehow deserve payment, you know, mm. and, um, and I, I think, you know, that's really corrosive. And, and it, I'm, I, you know, I'm always really glad when I hear people kind of standing up to that and, you know, kind of saying, no, you know, I will do it, but you've got to, you know, you've got to meet me halfway on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's vital, you know, to just kind of send that message out there and, you know, make it very clear. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that kind of leads on to like, I was going to ask you about, you know, your threads and stuff and how you kind of mentioned that the world doesn't really feel massively set up for autistic people and I know you've kind of talked about this in regards to like education settings and workplaces but I'm kind of keen to understand how you feel the world could be better set up and that's a huge question but like (laughs) dealing with sensory overload and stuff like I I don't understand how you managed in a secondary school (laughs) nor nor do I not looking back (laughs) you know like it's I, I think it was very much just kind of you know, if you imagine how you feel when you go to the dentist, you know, mm. and you have to sit in the dentist chair and there's very much a kind of feeling of, I've just got to get through this. Yeah. You know, it's going to be absolutely awful and I'm going to hate every second of it, but I've got to get through it. Otherwise, my teeth are going to be ruined. I think I saw every single day a bit like that. Right. Which is Gosh. the worst way to live. You know, yeah. you you can't exist like that. But it, was, it, it felt very much like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree entirely. I don't think, you know, 
going, the, like I said earlier, the idea of going back to it fills me with absolute <laughs> terror, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> really does. But in terms of, yeah, I mean, wow, in terms of, you know, making the world a better place, I mean, there's so many things. I mean, it, I think fundamentally it all boils down to that one thing that I think we're, you know, we're all trying to do, you know, us kind of online, noisy, autistic people, which is to just change the narrative you know, shift it across a little bit so that, um, you know, neurotypical people have a better understanding of what it's like and a better understanding of what we need. Um, you know, almost like a, just a, a complete culture shift, you know, amongst society as a whole um, to accept uh, the fact that there are people out there who are unwilling to make eye contact to accept that there are people out there who, if you give them a chance, will, you know, talk, talk your ear off. Yeah. about their special interests you know and, and and just kind of you know shift expectations of what people should be mm-hmm. I suppose yeah. you know because I think I think that the the kind of general certainly in you know western in 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 you know in the UK for example the expectation of what person like a human being should be mm-hmm. is strikingly narrow you know and and and, and very very restrictive um and, and you know, I, I think I think that conversation or that kind of like you know like large scale conversation needs to be had that that we need to stop being so uh, judgmental and so um, small minded in, in in this idea of you know what a what a human being is or can be or or acts like you know because because I think that you know fundamentally is a thing that so frequently um causes autistic people problems because we just you know we don't act we don't do things in the way that people expect and 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 people hate that you know to to put it quite bluntly you know people really really don't like that they um they 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 get afraid or they get confused or they get angry you know that something or someone is behaving in a way that they don't quite understand Um, and you know that that can lead to hostility and and you know and we all know where that goes from there um and and i genuinely think you know that that it's not actually i mean it's a big job don't don't get me wrong it is a big job but i don't think it's impossible at all you know to to kind of have that shift i mean you know we've done it plenty of times in the past with other you know with with with, with lots of other minorities you know i don't want to make any you know direct comparisons because there are enough people who you know live multiple kind of um inter you know intersectional minority lives you know making comparisons is kind of crass but but you know that there, there have been shifts in society that have made other minorities you know far more accepted and, and understood um, so, so I don't feel like it's not doable. I, I feel like it's very, very, very possible. I'm just not sure that there's the appetite for it at the moment, mm-hmm. um, you know, amongst the non-autistic population. You know, I, I, I mean, there's an appetite there amongst those guys, you know, <laughs> we're, you know, we're, we're, we're fighting for it daily. But, but I, do, I still get the feeling that, you know, it's, it's, I think disability as a whole is still very much seen by, you know, by the general population as, I don't know, just, just not as pressing an issue i suppose mm-hmm. i don't know why that is you know especially when you consider that disability is something that transcends all all other minorities you know uh, all, all 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 types of people you know it's something that can affect everybody you know um but for yeah for whatever reason it just doesn't seem to have that same kind of um um you know importance attached to sorting it out you know enableism is still you know rife might be too strong a word but it's certainly way more common than it ought to be um and and i I i think you know fundamentally that's the big thing i mean you know talking about smaller scale things i mean you know sensory as you you mentioned you know just in terms of sensory things it's i I don't think it's too much to ask to make the world a quieter place to be honest yeah (laughs) you know I, i i i I'd be surprised, if I'm completely honest with you, to find that, you know, that neurotypical people would be disappointed or upset if the world got a little bit quieter. You know, just just as a, as, as one example, I, I think, you know, I think that would be met with <laughs> met with relief by quite a few people. You know, just the idea of, you know, going into a shop or a coffee shop and it just being a little bit more mellow, yes. you know, and a little bit less in your face and bright mm-hmm. and noisy <laughs> and smelly. You know, I, I, I find it very hard to imagine that that would be, a, you know, a tremendously unpopular thing. Um, you know, and you, you see supermarkets and museums as well, of course, doing these kind of um, 
you know, quiet hours, yeah. you know, for, 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 you know, autistic and neurodivergent people. Um, and, you know, I, I see that. Okay, that's a positive. I'm glad to see that that's happening. But, you know, why just an hour? Exactly. You know, talk about, you know, talk about making our, you know, opportunities for planning our lives even harder. You know, it's like, well, you can go to Tesco, but only at 10 o'clock on a Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And if you, can't, if you can't manage that, then I'm afraid you're stuck, you know, you just have to exactly. deal with the noise. Yeah. You know, why, why not make it broader than that? I mean, I tweeted about this the other day, and to be fair, a lot of very clever people came up with good reasons why they don't do that. And it's mostly to do with um, advertising and, you know, making us kind of, um, you know, far more likely to buy things. Apparently, we're more likely to just, you know, spend money if we're feeling a little bit like under pressure and tense okay. and you know, kind of um, bothered by, you know, sensory things, even if you're neurotypical, I think it has that impact, you know, that okay. you're, you're more likely to just kind of splurge on things if you're, if you're kind of over assailed by noise and smells. Um, so, you know, I mean, if we're talking money and, and, and profit, then I suppose it's going to be a, a lot more difficult to, uh, to get that change to happen, you know, yeah. what people are like. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that would be a big thing for me, you know, just kind of, advocating for just a quieter world mm-hmm. um you know and uh, as unlikely as that feels like it might actually be to occur mm. um but yeah i mean there are other things but you know where, where, where do you begin exactly um yeah i mean you know usual stuff like you know interviews and employment you know um reasonable adjustments i suppose are a big part of that you know making sure that people have got you know a level playing field Mm-hmm. you know for, for, for so that their skills can shine without being you know hobbled by the fact that they you know they're, they're not making eye contact with the interviewer for example you know just little things like that yeah. um and i think that they're fairly quick fixes so long as people are interested and actually want to make the change mm-hmm. um which is <laughs> which is the difficulty you know mm-hmm. getting uh getting employers and businesses to actually care about things like that so uh, yeah yeah it's difficult, isn't it? Because that, just like you said, it's leveling the playing field. But I think a lot of people think it's like special treatment, or you know, mm. that person's getting more kind of you know accommodations and stuff like that in place. But actually, it really is leveling the playing field so that we have you know as good as opportunity as anyone else to thrive, you know, at work or in school and things like that. And I wish that was more understood. I think. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. Yeah, it's tricky. Um, so you mentioned a little bit about like special interests earlier, and I know you're writing your book on that topic. So I was going to ask you a little bit more about, is it just kind of all your special interests or are you talking about them kind of more generally? And what are your special interests? I'm always fascinated to hear what people are passionate about. <laughs> well, I'm... Um, uh- I, th- I took the decision, I mean, you know, w- w- with the book to, to simply talk about my own, um, because, because of course, you know, there are so many out there, you know, that, that I, I wouldn't even know, I wouldn't even know where to yeah. start, but I, I, I kind of use my own interests as a, as a, as a kind of way in, mm-hmm. you know, to talk about the, the, the phenomenon more, more generally, you know, just to talk about, you know, how, how they operate for us and how so many of us kind of rely on them and use them to help us calm down, you know, the various reasons that autistic people give for having these interests and the benefits that they bring. Um, so, so yeah, yeah it, it, it did become an opportunity for me to, you know, kind of, you know, write about the things that I care about, you know, um, quite, quite freely, which was a lovely experience. You know, I mean, that, that was great. You know, I, I've done, um, there's, there's a whole chapter on Lego, um, there's a whole chapter on um, on the Titanic, which is another one of my really big obsessions that I've had, you know, for my entire life, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I even managed to, you know, wangle being able to write a chapter on um, on on like tabletop wargaming, you know, like Excellent. Warhammer, that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, which is something that you know I, I kind of dropped off of recently, you know, because it's just so blooming expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a, it was a big thing, you know, in my uh, teens and my twenties. Um, and, and each chapter has kind of got that. That focus on on one of my interests but but that's a kind of way in then to talk about other things you know like for example in my um in my in, in the warhammer chapter i talk about um how like like rules you know like the, the 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 rules that we live by and how you know playing warhammer and you know getting used to the randomness of dice throws and you know the care that you take in setting up your army at the beginning actually echoes how autistic people have to kind of deal with social interactions in life you know and the kind of unwritten rules of um 
of of society, you know. And uh, so, so you know, I, I found kind of in some ways fairly tenuous, <laughs> but in other ways, you know, it works quite well. Just kind of links like that. I mean, in my in the in the chapter about video gaming which is kind of focused primarily on, you know, like the, the late nineties and the early two thousands. Um, I took that opportunity to kind of link that in with, you know, talking about school life and, you know, being, being, you know, school age and going in you know, dealing with teachers and all that kind of stuff as well. So, so yeah, that, that's kind of how, how the book works. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, all, all of my interests are in some way or another kind of, they, they all feel, well, not all of them, but most of them feel kind of toy based. You know, mm-hmm. there's definitely a kind of undercurrent there that it's it's to do with, um, you know, with models or, or other worlds. I suppose mm-hmm. is one way to put it. You know, it's like with Lego, you're building another world, of course. You know, out of your little bricks. You know, I mean, I'm sitting here at my desk now, and I'm surrounded by the stuff. And you know, I've got my kind of like street of buildings here, and I've got a skyscraper there, and I've got my Ghostbusters headquarters behind me, and you know, my tra- <laughs> you know, Lego train right in front of me that I'm just kind of pushing backwards and forwards um you know so that's like bu- building a whole new world for yourself which I think is something that a lot of autistic people can empathize with you know the the, yeah. the desire to you know have that kind of escape hatch into a different place you know yeah. where where things are more logical and manageable and you know kind of make more sense you know and and I, you know when i think about my other things like you know the tabletop wargaming i mean there's there's a whole law behind that you know i mean warhammer 40k has got books and books and books you know of kind of extended information about the world that that takes place in okay. um which 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 is very very kind of intoxicating and you know interesting to get into mm-hmm. um, so, same with video games of course I mean, you know in, with a video game you're literally you know kind of placing yourself into another another place you know mm-hmm. another another existence um and i suppose even to an extent you know my, my my great interest in music you know very much comes from a desire to kind of disconnect slightly you know and and mm-hmm. be somewhere else you know through listening to or writing music um so yeah i, I think that you know all of my interests definitely have this kind of common theme of escapism and and wanting to be you know elsewhere which makes sense when you consider you know living for 34 years you know tremendously stressed without knowing why (laughs) you know (laughs) you know the fact that my brain you know kind of automatically by itself decided you know what mate let's get out of here (laughs) you know focus on these other worlds because it's a lot nicer there Uh, it actually makes an awful lot of sense um so so yeah I, i mean what i would say is you know a lot of my interests are very stereotypically autistic Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, you know, the, the, the things that people always kind of think of, like, you know, I, I love trains, for example, which is probably about as stereotypical <laughs> as you can get. Um, so you know, I, in the book, for example, I wanted to talk about how, you know, it does go beyond that, you know, mm-hmm. that there's a whole world out there of, 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 of things that people find interesting. It goes way beyond, you know, the stereotypes. Um, because, you know, obviously it does. But yeah, for me personally, I am, yeah, just, just, you know, an autistic white boy you know, with his train <laughs> and his Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, just doing the stereotypical thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm glad that you've covered that. Okay. Yes. You have like some stereotypical interests and that's fine. And that's like, you know, you obviously deserve that. And it's, it's healthy to have these special interests, like you were saying, but it's, it's really nice to hear that you are also saying, you know, these are stereotypical and actually there is, there are so many more, you know, special interests out there as well. I think that's really important. And it's, yes, I yes. like that you're doing it from your own view, but you're taking in other people's as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, I, you've got to, you know, if, mm. if you're going to be, um, if you're going to be trying to, you know, talk about a big thing like autism that affects so many different people in so many different ways, mm. you know, you, you've, you've got to be, you know, I mean, I, I certainly try to be. I mean, it's very easy to mess it up and to accidentally, you know, overgeneralize and all the rest of it, you know. But um, you, you've got to be humble and you've got to be you know, respectful and aware of the fact that, you know, you are not the only person mm-hmm. and, and that your experience, though it may translate and though it may be relatable for an awful lot of people, is not by any stretch universal, you know, and is, is, is you know, just a, a facet of something very much bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's absolutely vital to address that, um, even though, as I say, you know, it, it can, you know, people, you, you can forget, you know, and I've been guilty of that before, you know, kind of tweeting something that's been a bit too kind of, you know, over 
general and a bit too kind of certain in itself, you know, and um, it's it's a kind of pitfall, but it keeps you on your toes, you know, and you, you've got to be always, always mindful of that, you know, when you're, uh, when you're writing, when you're talking, when you're, when you're dealing with the situation at all. Do you feel like because of the amount of followers you have, you almost have a like greater responsibility almost to like, try not to get things wrong <laughs> it seems like a lot of pressure yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I i do and you know obviously that's increased over over the last year or two that i've been doing it you know mm. i mean it's it has been astonishing i mean i'm i'm enormously grateful for the fact that people you know want to read all the you know little things i say mm. you know to the point of you know wanting me on their twitter feed you know every day that they look mm. um you know, it's, it's, but, you know, I'm kind of honored by that, but yeah, it, it is a, a, a big responsibility, you know, and I feel um, that, you know, for, it's like you don't set out to do it, but it happens anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, um, and, and I know there are people out there, you know, who have gone through very similar experiences, you know, when you think about, um, you know, accounts like autistic science person and, and you know, it's Emily Katie, mm-hmm. you know, from Twitter who, um, you know, that they've gone up, you know, exponentially, you know, mm-hmm. kind of from, from, you know, like a couple of thousand to, you know, I think, I think Emily's on like 25,000 now or something yeah. like that. And it's, 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 intense you know it really is because you you, you know I, I think it's fair to say that certainly all the people that i know who do this you know who have the you know fairly big follow accounts i don't think any of them want to cause any upset for anybody no. you know i i i think we're all very much of you know very similar personality in terms of not wanting to you know um you know ruin anybody's day yeah. <laughs> to, to put it quite bluntly um but, but yeah it's it's hard because you know, with that kind of people, you know, kind of engaging with what you're saying, mm. you're going to have people who disagree or who take umbrage or who get cross yeah. with what you say. And, and that's, that's to be expected. Um, but, you know, as, as autistic, as an autistic person, you know, it, it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to deal with. You know, it's, yeah. um, it's, it's very tough. You know, when you, when you bring into account, you know, like we talked about rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria, and the imposter syndrome and all those kind of little facets of neurodivergency that, that, you know, can really cause Twitter to be quite a challenging experience, you know, that, um, but yeah, I, I do spend an awful lot of my time kind of writing tweets and then deleting them okay. before I post them, <laughs> you know, and just trying to make sure that, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not misspeaking or I'm not kind of misrepresenting something, mm. um, uh, you know, because as I say, the last thing I would ever want to do is, is make an autistic person, you know, feel unwelcome in the space, you know, mm. or, or, um, you know, that their, their, their personal experience is kind of being steamrolled, mm. you know, by, by these kind of you know, mammoth Twitter accounts who, you know, because I, I know what it's like to deal with, you know, Twitter accounts who are big, you know, we call them big accounts, don't we? Um, you know, who, it doesn't seem to matter what they say, they've got defenders, you know, they'll have people yeah. who will just kind of pop up and defend them, even if they do something really, really bad. You know, they'll have people who are just willing to, you know, defend them to the to the end. I, I know what it's like to deal with that, you know, and to, and to have account, you know, to kind of be in conflict with accounts like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from, from my early days, you know, when I was just a, yet another teacher tweeting about teaching. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's horrible. It's awful, awful experience. You know, when when you're when you're arguing or when you're trying to get someone to to to, to understand something, and, and they're just not listening because you know yeah. they're kind of you know more important or whatever it might be. Um, it, it's, it's a dreadful experience. And and though I know that there have been times in the past where you know I've inadvertently ended up being that person. You know, um, it, it's it's never something that I'd want to replicate again. You know, it's 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 a horrible feeling to, you know, to, to be the one that's steamrolling, you know, over other people's experiences. So, so yeah, I, I, I treat it with, well, I, I like to think I treat it with care, you know, as best as I can, you know, because it's, it's a, it's a difficult one, you know, I'm grateful for it and it's fantastic and, you know, uh, and, and all the rest of it, but you, you know, you, you do have to be careful. Mm. I do think people forget that like, it is just you like on a computer at the end of this yeah. account. It's not a whole team of, you know, like a brand or something like it's just you like, you know, <laughs> yes. tweeting, you know, your thoughts and feelings. And, you know, I really enjoy your threads because I really, I don't know, they're just so relatable and it's just nice to, to see yourself reflected in someone else's writing, I think. And 
yeah, I do think people forget that it might just be you on the end or, you know, that you're yeah. you know, writing yeah. and rewriting stuff. It's not just, you know, immediately come to you potentially. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that thing about being relatable, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that I think this feeds the imposter syndrome. You know, I just don't see it. I, I, mm. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't really, <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not denying it, you know, and I would yeah. never argue with anyone, but you know, I, I, when people say to me, Oh, that's so relatable, you know, oh, I love your threads. I'm just like, Okay. <laughs> you <laughs> Thank know, you. I, I, yeah, I've I, I've genuinely never really understood, mm. um, you know, what it is that I'm doing there that that, that people like. Mm. <laughs> I'm just you know I'm I'm just glad that you know because uh, I think you're right. I think that feeling of being, um, you know, kind of recognised in somebody else's writing yeah. is so powerful. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, you know, I used to read. Um, you know, I'd be reading like one of Bill Bryson's travel books, you know, like you know, the, the, the American writer who wrote mm-hmm. a lot about, you know, traveling the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'd be so excited when I saw him mention places that I knew, Yeah. you know, that I could kind of like, oh, I've been there. I know that. I mean, you know, that's a very low key example, but it's that kind of connection, yeah. you know, between someone's writing and someone getting something out there and you kind of thinking, my God, I recognize that completely. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know exactly how that feels or I know what that is or oh, that's what that's called, or, or whatever it is. And, and you know, I mean, I, I would say, you know, but that's the great thing about Twitter. There are so many autistic people, you know, willing and quite happily, well, mostly happily, sharing their their experiences, you know, that, that we can kind of, you know, I'll be scrolling through my Twitter feed and it's like, oh, God, yeah, that's a good point. Or, yeah, I, I never thought of it. You know, it's just kind of this constant kind of um, churn of, of, of great relatable stuff you know <laughs> but but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just glad that I contribute to you know, so that's really I'm really happy that I can do that yeah definitely I think you know just you can see in the amount of followers that you've gained that people are behind you and are keen to see you know the next thing you're going to say or you know the yes, yeah. thing they can relate to so I think that's that's really great <laughs> so where can I feel like we've mentioned like your Twitter, like what is your Twitter handle and where can people follow you? <laughs> um, well, my Twitter handle, I mean, this is a, this is a kind of relic from my teachery days mm-hmm. is um, at comma aficionado. So, you know, all one word. Okay. Uh, so it's comma and aficionado, but kind of you know, smashed together, you know, into one word. Um, that, that's just from, that, that was actually an in-joke back in the day when I first set up my Twitter account. Okay. Um, <laughs> myself and a teacher friend uh, both kind of got into teacher Twitter at a similar time. Mm-hmm. And we both, you know, kind of tried to come up with the, you know, the, like, like the silliest <laughs> Twitter handles that we, could, that we could come up with. And I had this, you know, I've always been a big, big kind of punctuation person. You know, I, I, I like punctuation correct and accurate you know i think it really helps writing so yeah that's where that comes from um but you know outside of twitter there's i've got my website which is kind of like a hub i suppose of where all my stuff can be found and that's i've I've managed to you know kind of get that very simple that's just uh petewarmby.com you know that that's that's nice and easy (laughs) that's that's quite easy to find um and then of course i've got my youtube channel which is again i think just pete warmby um I can never remember, but it's, it's easy to find. I don't add to that as much as I'd like to. You know, I always kind of have this intention to, oh, I'll do a few more videos mm-hmm. and then just never seem to get around to doing it. So I will continue to try to add to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for those that are of a business kind of mind, God forbid, I've also got a LinkedIn, um, which, you know, is is just mostly there just so that I can kind of make touch base with, with you know, other people who you know have kind of made speaking about autism and writing about it you know into a sort of weird kind of job mm-hmm. you know so um so if you want to get in touch with me about something something you know related to that kind of thing you know you want to get me to talk or you know get me to speak to your company or something like that then then my linkedin is probably the uh, the way to go for that um and yeah i think i think I've got Instagram, but I don't really use that. So. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a lot of followers, but I don't really post very much. And when I do, it's just kind of Lego pictures. So uh, nice. if that's your thing, you know, if that's what you're into, then <laughs> by all means do. Brilliant. I'll put all the links to everything you've mentioned in the show notes. Also, just oh, quickly, how much Lego do you have? I'm very intrigued. Do you know how much you have? Like how many sets? Or- oh, um yeah a lot i mean lot. you know <laughs> i mean like i say I, I i've got my kind of attic room in the house which was mm-hmm. meant to be my study you know like you know a place to do marking when i was a teacher okay. um but yeah nowadays it is just i mean i'll put it this way like every surface is full 
Okay. You know, so I've got like, I've got those low Ikea bookcases, you know, the kind of square ones. Yes. Um, and like the tops of all of those are just covered in, in stuff. You know, I've got like a pirate ship over there, um, like a medieval blacksmith. I've got uh, Statue of Liberty, Ghostbusters okay. car, <laughs> um, trains everywhere, cars everywhere. And then the floor's littered with the stuff. I mean, I've got all my, um, the, the child, as I call them. Um, you know, obviously, this this is by a long way their favourite room in the house. So, like, all the floor over there is just absolutely carpeted with, like, you know, uh, Lego minifigures and bits that are just being kind of smashed up, it seems. Okay. Yeah, they've made a mess. <laughs> oh, I'm glad <laughs> you yeah. kind of passed on your passion, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, you've got to. You know, it's it's yeah. um, it's it's such a good way to bond, you know, and, and to connect, though, you know, over just, you know, we'll often just kind of sit in quiet kind of companionship, just, mm-hmm. you know, just doing our own things, doing our own, I'll be, I'll be working on my trains, trying to get them to work properly. And, and they'll just be kind of, I don't know what they do, like building gardens and parties and swapping heads on the minifigures kind of constantly, um, you know, just kind of really nice atmosphere of, yeah, just, you know, enjoying being, being together but not necessarily interacting very much which is yeah. ideal for me I love that <laughs> you know, yeah quiet company <laughs> exactly yeah, that's yeah. my favorite thing in all the world exactly <laughs> oh that's so great to hear I was like throughout this interview I was like I've got to ask about the Lego like I'm really intrigued as to how much you have <laughs> but I've got a visual picture of how much you have now <laughs> well I mean one video that I keep meaning to do is just to kind of go through you know just show everyone what I've got you know and just kind of um do like a, a tour I suppose um but I've just never got around to doing it um but but yeah maybe maybe I'll do that if people you know I mean it seems that people really do want to know so I mean who am I to you know not not share yeah. <laughs> so people yeah, love maybe, tours maybe, yeah <laughs> they, they do and, and I think you know it's that thing that autistic people in particular are just so they just love sharing other people's interests yeah. I've found Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm the same, you know, somebody who's passionate about something is just the best thing in the world. Almost doesn't really matter what they're passionate about, you know, but it's just hearing that level of interest and that 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 expertise and that level of knowledge is just a wonderful thing. Mm. So so yeah, I, I, I could I could add to the add to that, I suppose. I, that would be a nice thing to do. Yeah, I'm definitely off seeing that. <laughs> I've got one person who wants to see it at least. <laughs> oh, that, that's, that's, that, that'll do. That's all it's it a really good start. You know, as as it is, yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I can't believe we've been talking for almost an hour. It's gone very I know, it goes so fast. It so does. Fast. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. Um, and I'll make sure to put all your links down below. So please make sure you go and follow Pete, everyone. Um, yeah, thanks so much. <laughs> thank you very much for having me. <laughs>